<clears throat> well, here goes nothing. Huh, it's going to be interesting. Yeah, it is. Oh, yeah, I'm going to turn myself up. How's that, ladies and gentlemen? Oh, maybe I should get a bit more gain. Well, hello, everybody, and thank you for tuning in to the farty third episode of the Working Musicians Podcast, where I am your host, Dryce Organica. And today I'm going to do something a little bit different. I mean, it's not too far different from what I've ever done, but it's forcing me to do something different as a, as a, I guess, what do you call me? A, what is it? A, v, a DJ? You know, I guess uh, as a radio personality, but uh, behind the mixing board, I'm having to do a few different things on the technical side. Um, so this is going to be an interesting one. I don't know how this is going to go down, to be perfectly honest, but I think I've worked out the kinks and I'm ready to roll. But on another note, uh, just figured to kind of let you know what's going on. And before I do that, like a salute to Miller High Life, as that is what is fueling this episode. Mm-hmm. Oh, let me get another one. All righty. So here's what's going on. You know, I got done uh, doing a uh, an episode with uh, my buddy Channing. Or two episodes, actually. And uh, although as of yet, I haven't actually put them out, but I'm saying this in the future in regards to something that has not yet officially happened yet. So I don't know if I'm, talk I'm talking about the past, which will be your future, but I'm talking about it as in the present. I, I don't know how that works. But at any rate, boy, was that a good time. And uh, I'd like to get him on more regularly. You know, I think it'd, it'd be great. But at the same time, just making this stuff work. And uh, you got to imagine musicians and their internet connectivity and just their uh, flakiness. It is what it is. It's hard to just get them on the phone half the time, you know, much less uh, available to do this kind of stuff. But I definitely want to be able to do more of that kind of stuff. I think that was, that was great. Had an absolutely wonderful time. I want to give a big thanks to uh, Channing for coming up on here. Uh, doing all that kind of stuff. But on another note, what am I talking? Oh yeah, that's right. That's right. So on another note, uh, you know, moving on, moving forward with the direction of the show. And, and as I've been doing, I decided I was going to do an episode about pre-production. Oh, oh, but wait, I've already done one. You're, you're right. I have already done one before. This one's going to be a little bit different. Yes, it is. I, I, I kind of, uh, not quite sure what I'm going to title it yet. I thought about fun with pre-production. Then I thought about pre-production pre as a singer-songwriter or singer-songwriter pre-production. And that's probably what I'll go with. Singer-songwriter pre-production because um, I think it's a better title than just fun with pre-production. I'll save that for a later date. But uh, so what, what I wanted to do is there's a song I worked on a while back. I mean, it's been hell, heck a few months since I really messed with it, but it's just a, a song I wrote and, uh, and it, it's pretty far along in the pre-production stage. And uh, I don't, I mean, there's a few things I'm kind of tempted to do with it, but you know, I think I could, I might be able to put a stamp on it and say, you know, this is fine. Um, you know, clearly there's a few things I need to, to work out, but it's, it's pretty darn close to where I'm like, okay, I just need to rehearse it and record it and I'll be done with it. But I think it'd be interesting to see for the average person to see, well, I dare to say average, I'm average too, but to see uh, somebody who, who does know how to make a, you know, a good sounding track or song, I should say recording and uh, mix and master. I, I think it's just kind of interesting to see where it all begins and about where you, I think you need to be before you actually go into a studio or, or go in wherever and record it for real. And uh, I think this song will, that this, uh, episode will apply to a lot of folks in a lot of different situations, but I think this is just kind of a, a takeaway from somebody who is a singer songwriter, somebody who does it all themselves. You know, I might contract out a, br uh, a brother, a drummer or a brother to be my drummer on a track or two, you know, that's fine. But I thought, uh, wow, this is, this is something that probably rings true for a lot of folks. You know, you're trying to do everything yourself or, you know, as far as the writing process and it's just like, ah, well, how do you do that, you know? And 
while I think that it's it's not always practical for everyone to go own their own major, you know, high budget studio gear and software and equipment and all that. I do think it's a good idea to at least have just a microphone and an interface and maybe a microphone cable or something like that, just so that you can do the basic and a, a digital audio workstation, also known as a DAW. I hate it when people call them DAWs. It's a DAW. Just call it a DAW. DAW spells out DAW, even though it is indeed an acronym. So you're not wrong by calling it a DAW or a digital audio workstation. But I just call it a DAW. And on the and if I'm going to mention a DAW, I would and you're a, and you're kind of just looking for a, a program that's that'll do what you need it to do and it's fairly intuitive, you know, on default settings. Yet if you want to grow with it, I think Reaper is great. Sixty bucks. Hell, you can use it for free until you actually get around to paying for it. The only thing you have to do is wait for five seconds until it says, you know, still evaluating. Kind of great. I know I went just, let's just say, a little bit past the deadline before I finally bought mine. <laughs> but I digress. <clears throat> but the point of all this is just to kind of talk about the importance of pre-production. And there are things that the average person can do at home with not a whole lot of recording mixing skills. You know, you as the talent, I think, can get pretty far with just some basic recordings just so that you can hear yourself played back. I think there is so much that that is revealing to you when you hear yourself back. And it really not only just helps you with the, the pre-production phase, but with the songwriting aspect, because it's kind of hard to tell how something's going to sound once you add a bass to it, once you start adding more vocals some backup parts. All kinds of other things, you know, counter melodies, <clears throat> leads, what have you, drums. So I wanted to kind of show people the Dreis Organica method, which is probably not too different from how a lot of people do this. But this is my kind of method for how I go about writing a song and going through the pre-production phase. Because to me, songwriting and pre-production kind of go hand in hand. Now, there's different levels of it, but to me, songwriting is a part of the pre-production. You come with a song and then you produce it. You finish writing it. You really take it, do everything you can to take it to the next level so that the songwriting and everything there is ready to go. Oh, sorry, I'm breathing kind of heavy. I've been, uh, I just, it's been a while since I got around to really practicing singing and guitar, and I've, I've spent about an hour and a half just jamming away. And man, I need to practice more. I'm getting a little rusty. Actually, I thought I did pretty good, but it's just the endurance is not there. Just goes to show. You don't do something off enough, you know, you start regressing. So without regressing too much further into this show, uh, I think I should probably kind of just like get to it because I don't know how long this is going to really take uh, what I'm doing. So I'll just kind of explain a little bit what I'm doing. So what I'm going to do is I'm going to play different stages of the songwriting where I was at in different stages of my pre-production. Initially, it starts with just what I had written by myself on the acoustic and singing. So this is a song, you know, this is kind of the way it sounds when I play it and sing it at the same time. But for the sake of uh, getting a good pre-production track going and getting, you know, the songwriting aspect down, because I can't ever, I have a tendency to play the guitar a little bit differently when I sing. At least my guitar parts tend to be played a little bit differently as I'm actively singing. And that's pretty common. So what I did is I just laid down the guitar track by itself which is something I recommend doing. And then I sang over it. And in all fairness, I'm not going to get into the very... F well, that was weird. My computer just crapped out. But uh, I'm not going to get too much into, uh, you know, like the very first vocal recording I did. I kind of lost my place there. Sorry. But because in all fairness, you know, you hear yourself played back I mean, you can do this on your cell phone, just any basic recording device and kind of hear yourself play back like, oh, this is bad or, okay, I, I need to, I need to do this different. And I did that quite a bit uh, along with the, along in the process. So, I mean, that to me is just part of the songwriting process is just hearing yourself back. And I also spent a lot of time practicing by using different mics and, and trying different, uh, going about singing the parts a little bit differently. How should I sing out more? Should I be breathy? How, how should I go about doing it? And uh, I tried a bunch of different mic settings, positions and placements and all that kind of stuff. So I could get the vocal sound I was looking for. And at the same time, pr uh, practice the part. Because I knew that it's not like anything I'm going to do is going to 
be laid down, but I knew that I needed to work on this vocal quite a bit because I, I kind of struggled with it. I mean, I could sing it, but it just didn't sound right. So it's uh, something a little bit out of my typical wheelhouse. And uh, I think that's good, but you know, there's some things that you just that come to you a little bit more naturally. You know what to do because you've done something similar, and then you get something that's just outside of your comfort zone. And this song is definitely outside of my comfort zone as a vocalist, and in a lot of ways as a songwriter. So while that's great, uh, I didn't exactly know how to go about doing it. So you know, and I've never actually recorded an official like real vocal in that new um, microphone. The uh, Lawton Audio Atlantis FET 387 or whatever it's called. So I was at the same time while I was rehearsing the song and doing some pre-production and just saying like, okay, what do I need to do to make this vocals shine? You know, what do I need to do different? What do I need to do better on um, word choice? And even the, 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 what I, it's not even a finish, but it's just what I said. Okay. Close enough. Uh, the vocal I'll show y'all it's a, uh, Oh, I need to change some words up. You know, there's a there's some inflections I need to do differently. Lots of you know several little things that I need to do differently when it actually comes time to recording it. But it's in the ballpark. It's like okay, I get it. It's not so far from uh, where I want it to be as far as the songwriting, the writing piece of it, the uh, composition. I guess you could say it's close enough to where like okay, I get it. I, so. But all along the process, before I even got to that point, you know, I'm checking out different mic placements, which is something I'll oftentimes do kind of later on in the pre-production phase. But I, I was kind of able to kill two birds with one stone because I needed to practice the vocal line. And on top of that, I needed to figure out this microphone and find the better placement and settings. I mean, this thing's got so many, like three different voicings, and it's also got three different polar patterns. So then it's got, you know... Some other settings on it, which I'm not going to get into. That's not the point. So I just had to get familiar with the microphone. I've also got different uh, gear. I'm not sure if I had my Golden Age preamp at the time, but at any rate, I you know the point is I was trying to learn how to how to best use my gear to flatter my vocals as much as humanly possible. And in the meantime, I was also practicing it. So what I'm going to be showing you guys is the result of okay, this is I think the mic placement <laughs> this is the settings i need to use on the mic and about how diff how far it is and i actually as every time i was recording every time i was doing little different variations let me try four inches away let me try six inches away let me put it in omni let me put it in figure eight let me put it back to cardioid but let's try a different voicing from from one mode to another this thing's it's a pretty complicated microphone and uh so what i ended up choosing was hmm Oh, where'd I put it? Ah, oh, crap. I forgot. I, I, I deleted the subfolder, uh, the folder that this track was a part of, but basically, um, I forget what setting I ended up using. So I'd have to go back to my other track, and I don't feel like doing that. It's not, it's not important. But the point is, I found the placement and the position and the settings that I basically wanted, and, and, and then actually managed to come out with a pretty decent vocal. And I'm like, okay. That's fine for pre-production. So that that was one thing that I'm kind of skipping out on uh, showing y'all just because, I mean, there's no point in me showing y'all 20, 30 different vocal takes before I finally got to where I was because at the end of the day, all I was, for the sake of pre-production, I just needed to get the vocal part on paper, so to speak, or just record it so I could hear it back. Uh, so this is a little bit more polished, or I should say more rehearsed than the typical my typical pre-production vocal track would be. So... I don't want to come out saying like, wow, this is how I sound, you know, first or second time at bat. Not even close. This is probably take 30. You know what I mean? So trying different settings and then going back and like, oh, I don't like this one. This one's good. This one's not good. And dwindling them down and then choosing one at the end. So I don't know if this was my first take. I don't know if it was my 30th take, but somewhere in between there, I did like probably 20, 30 takes. And uh, I chose the best one is based on sonic quality. And then, uh, you know, this would just happen to be the performance. And I think this was probably one later on down the road because the performance was definitely a lot better than some of my earlier ones. So without further ado, what I'm going to do is uh, first take another sip from my Miller High Life. Mm. That's good stuff. And then, now I'm already 13 something minutes in, 15 minutes in, whatever.
And then I'm going to uh, just play the the track as I the song as I record it, just with an acoustic and vocal line. All right. So and I'm not going to play the song. I'm just going to play like beginning all the way through the first chorus. All right. And then I'll go through there and kind of show you and talk about what I some of the steps I took along the way and how, you know the order in which I went about writing the song and all that kind of stuff. And uh, so I, I, the reason why typically I would just I'd say I, let me start with the drums in there, but I want you to hear how the song sounds without that because that I wrote the song before I even had any idea of what the drums were going to sound like. And granted, all I did was put a drum loop in there, but it kind of gives it kind of puts the song a little further along than what you're typically going to have unless you just happen to write songs to with a drum loop. I don't know too many people who do that, so, or any for that matter. So adding the drums is something I do after I've written the song and I'm ready to start recording the acoustic line. I spend some time and try to find a drum loop that works for the track. Or sometimes I'll use a drum loop, even though I'm like, oh, this isn't probably too, too. It'll, what I'll do will be a little bit different, but it's easy for me to keep up with the timing and, and get it in time uh, and playing evenly. So. This is just a, a basic drum loop, and I played along to it, and it's like, mm, it's probably not exactly what I'm going to do with the real when I actually get a real drummer in, but it's in the ballpark. So that's something I did do, but I want you all to hear it before I even got to that point, because basically, before I go to actually recording it, I play along with the drum loop for a while, and uh, then I kind of go through it. So I'll just kind of start from the beginning, and we'll just see what happens, because I'm doing this in real time. So that took a took me about 15 minutes to figure out how I was going to arrange this. I've got two different screens open, so I'm playing one, recording on another screen, all within the same uh, program, the same computer. Fortunately, Reaper lets you open up multiple tabs. So uh, this will be an outside-of-the-box mix for this podcast. So without further ado, here's the, the song I called Charlotte pre-production. It's a working title. I'm just going to play intro all the way through the first verse and chorus uh, just to kind of give you an idea of what it sounds like now forgive me i might as i'm playing this i might have to fart around with levels because i'm eventually going to put effects on it but i'm playing everything raw uh so i got to i might have to do a little level matching in the moment so don't adjust your 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 speakers you know i'll do that for you so here we go here's just the guitar and vocal line So I think you kind of get the idea there. Um, you know, not, not too much to it. But um, so what I did from this point is 
you know, I had the, the guitar and vocal line recorded. I, re- I recorded the guitar along with the drum loop and then recorded the vocals along with the guitar and the drum loop. I mean, not kind of standard practice, just like you were recording the song for real, you know, doing uh, some single, you know, track by track, instrument by instrument, you know, single tracking, just like you're recording it. It's kind of cool because at the same time, you with this process, you're also like practicing for how things are going to be in the studio. You You get put in that position and you'll be in that position more than once because you don't want to have just been playing like especially if like you're in a band and you play along with in the garage I'm like hey let's go to a studio now like okay you're at first seat that first like attempt at the studio in reality whether you want to admit it or not unless you're just amazing it's really a pre-production track but that's guess what because you paid money for it and a lot of times people will end up saying oh that's my that's the final take well then they listen back to oh man i wish we'd have done this different i wish we'd have done this different I'm like yeah I wish you would have just recorded it with a single microphone in a room so you could have heard how it actually sounded. So you could have made some, you know, some uh, composition changes before you actually went to the studio and realized, hey, this doesn't work very well. Now, this sounds great, but what if we would have done this? Because once you hear it back through a set of speakers, it changes. So what I'm going to do next is I'm going to play it with the uh, bass alongside with the drum loop. Because granted, I was, you know, before I even started recording this, I found a drum loop that worked. So I don't think there's too much. I don't think it, it'll be too hard for you to figure out that, hey, I, I, I found a drum loop before I even started laying down the initial guitar and vocal tracks. But after I, uh, after I re, you know, recorded the guitar and vocal tracks and had my drum loop in there, I started working on the bass line, you know, just playing along, tried to figure out something that worked. Came up with a few ideas. Some things sucked. Some things were okay. You know, cut some things, added some things. And, what I basically came up with was a pretty simple bass line, so I'll probably turn it up a little bit more uh, when I'm actually playing it just for the sake of hearing it because it's not a, uh, there's no, there's nothing on the individual tracks, although I just realized that uh, I have my master bus settings on, but when I looked at it, my compressor, it was like only once in a blue moon did it even like barely kiss, kiss it, and I've got a reverb plug on the master bus. Um, Although I actually was a little bit more heavy-handed on the reverb on this track. So it is, de- there is some, I'll just say, just for the sake of keeping it consistent, there is a little bit of bus compression, although it's, unless it's on some of the louder sources, it's not even like touching it, the individual tracks. It's just on, but it's not, the threshold isn't low enough to hit anything. But there is some, some reverb on the master bus, so these aren't completely dry. But since you already heard the first two, and there's no point in going back, it's fine, you'll get it. So here's the uh, here's what I basically the baseline I wrote with the addition of the drum loop, and from here on out I'll just keep the drum loop in there because there's not a whole lot to it. It's just the same thing over and over again. All right, here we go. Yep, the same. The anticipation is killing me. What did he do? I forgot to turn on my drum loop, but here it goes. Drum loops are fun. Now here comes the bass. Charlotte, won't you stay away 
right. So it was kind of like, hey, you know, the nuts and bolts are all there. You know, you've got a bass line, you got a drums, you got guitar, you got vocals. But it's it's all right. You know, it's not bad. And granted, it's not. This is all dry. There's no no processing really on it, and it's not edited. And it's rough. You know, the performances aren't as good as I I could probably get them. Well, I know they're not as good as I can get them. I have old strings on everything, you know. Not my best work, but that's the point of it. I I don't have that pressure put on me. I'm just, I just got to get through it. It's all about writing it. And that's why some people are like, well, Chris, well, while you're doing the pre-production, why don't you just actually do your best and and try to record it for real so you don't have to go back and re-record stuff? And what I always say is like, look, I'm not in that mind space. I don't have new strings on my guitars, you know? I, I'm, I'm after work. This is, I, I am not prepared to do this for real. I'm not rehearsed at the level I need to be. Uh, I need to have heard this a million times and have tracked it alongside a million times, heard myself, you know, several and quite a few times and just played along with it until, you know, I, I feel so comfortable with it that I connect with the song and I, and if I don't connect with it at certain parts, something's wrong. Right. So from there, I kind of listened to it a bunch of times over and, and tried experimenting with uh, different backup vocals. I felt like something was missing. But basically, just so you know, this is a song from a dad to their daughter, right? Very, very young daughter. My, my daughter at this point is one years old. One years. <laughs> one year old. And uh, at that at that time, it stu- she still is. So I forget. She might have been younger when I started writing this. I don't really remember. but. Well, her birthday's in November, three days before mine. Kind of cool. But at any rate, several years apart, though, obviously. So at any rate, this is just basically, you know, a song from a dad to a daughter. A little bit mushier than what I would typically write about. Typically, I write songs about mostly my penis or uh, about girls with legs who know how to use them, you know, about effing stuff up, breaking things, you know, rock and roll, you know, anger. All that kind of stuff. And this is not one of those songs, you know what I mean? So it's a little bit out of my wheelhouse. And uh, and I just listened to it. And I'm like, and I started, the first thing that came to me was, <coughs> sorry. <coughs> Woo. All right. The first thing I thought to do is, let me let me try adding some harmonies parts. And you know, like, sure, you can add some stuff there. But in like, this isn't really adding anything to it, you know? Just doesn't help. And so I'm like, this is supposed to be a little bit more intimate. And sometimes with more intimate songs, you don't need a whole lot of backup vocals, or if you're there, there's just there mostly for texture or to fill fill out your voice a little bit or to fill things up. It's almost like you don't notice them until you take them away, and it's like, huh, sounds a little bit thin. But <clears throat> so I, I tried experimented with some different vocal lines, and that just didn't really do it. And I tried a bunch of different things, tried adding guitar leads, and I'm like, this sounds stupid. But what I ended up settling on was just some kind of something to kind of go along with what the bass does, because the bass is very um, <clears throat> very simple. I mean, a lot of root notes, but you know, and that's basically all it's there is just to kind of fill in the space, <laughs> uh, underneath the guitar. And I don't, I didn't want the bass to get in, a, in the way. And I have a tendency of going overboard on bass, but sometimes some of my favorite bass lines are the easiest, but making them sound good is another thing. Uh, so while this may be a, uh, I think a, an acceptable bass line, it is not acceptably performed. But you know what? It doesn't have to be. That's not what this is about. This is about getting it done, writing it, and trying to get it figured out. So I started experimenting with some uh, guitar stuff. And, uh, you know, what I ended up doing is I tried a bunch of different things. But at the end of the day, what I thought sounded best was a kind of a light and airy syncopated uh, backup guitar line that kind of mimicked what the bass was doing at some parts and then the chorus did a counter melody to the uh to the main acoustic guitar line and uh initially i did it all in mono and then i realized hey you know what i'm not this this is kind of clashing so after i i'd like yeah i like the way this sounds as i was playing along with it and i recorded it i realized you know this would probably be better served as a stereo track so i just record i just poorly performed it a second time and you can kind of hear the flubs and the differences on the left and right side. But eventually, but what I basically came down to is, you know, hey, this this is okay, but if I have both the main guitar line and the backup line both in mono, it doesn't sound good. So all I ended up doing was uh, putting the uh, the backup guitar lines hard panned, hard left and hard right, 
they're basically the exact same guitar line, but they're different performances. So therefore, it sounds a little bit different. And something else I ended up doing after the fact is I, I brought in the right side, you know, uh, a couple measure, a couple phrases before the bass came in. But by the time the bass comes in, I brought them both in. I just thought it was kind of interesting that way. And usually I'm kind of leery of not having a balanced mix, but sometimes it makes sense. And in this case, I felt it made sense and it actually sounded better that way. It kind of gave you something. It kind of made the entrance when the vocals and the bass all came in, it kind of made it a little bit bigger, like kind of like, oh, I was waiting for it. And now here it is. So it just kind of, <clears throat> I thought it was a good idea. I may go back and change it, but I thought it was a good idea. That's just something I kind of did after the fact. So when I play the uh, backup acoustic guitar lines, I don't want you to think like, I knew right from the beginning that I needed to come in with only the right side for the first two phrases. I could just feel it. No, it's just with experimenting. Because, um, you know, when I first, they both came in, it was like, yeah, this ain't right. But I don't feel like playing that back to back just to make show you the difference that, that a small change made. But there was a small change that was made. And I think it, it was just a small thing that helped make the song just a little bit better on the composition side. And so now, without further ado, I'm going to put in the two acoustic guitar lines and play them for you. Here we go, from the beginning. getting a kick out of that is uh, you know granted i didn't like write all of the acoustic guitar backup lines at once i mean it was a, a work in progress and it took over the probably the course of about 30 40 let's say an hour long working on different different ideas and like okay this is great for the chorus i mean this is or for the the verse and the pre-chorus this is easy just basically mimic what the bass is doing and add a you know an extra note or two so you have a full chord and then that, that worked out pretty good. But then when it came to the chorus, <clears throat> you know, it's kind of like, huh, this is interesting. Uh, the counter melody is actually a little bit more involved. There's a little bit more movement. It's a little bit more noticeable. <laughs> it's just more busy than the main acoustic guitar line. And that's okay. You know, it's funny how sometimes you have to go from something light and airy and just to add that contrast to make the chorus bigger because, uh, it, you know, you've got to do something a little bit more complicated, you know, add a little bit more contrast to really build up the counter melody. So kind of basically what I did is added sort of like a, uh, a talk back, so to speak, on the main acoustic guitar line in the, in the chorus. So, you know, just kind of, you know, I feel like a little bit of a response or almost kind of like a... Uh, a delay kind of a concept, I guess you could say, but I don't know how to explain it. 
but it, it just worked. I'm like, this is cool. And, you know, I went back and I tried, let me, let me try this, that, and the other thing. And I just couldn't come up with anything that I thought was better than what I had. I mean, I could add parts, but it didn't really make any difference. Right now, going back through here, it could be said like, you know, Hey, this is okay. You know, granted there is no mixing done on this whatsoever, other than just to make sure the levels are somewhat in the same ballpark of each other so that you can hear all the parts. And, uh, here in a minute, I'm going to go back through there and, and, you know, what I typically would do at this point is I'll do a quick mix. I mean, the majority of, the, other than like the vocal line, basically, the only plug-in I have on any of the tracks is uh, basically just, it's one of those plugins that has like a compressor, gate, EQ, and that kind of stuff all in one. Uh, basically, the majority of what it is is a little bit of compression but i use bus compression so i don't have to you generally use as much on the individual visual tracks but little compression uh on most on i think all the tracks and then uh, uh some high pass filtering maybe a, a wee bit of eq just to create some space you know i'd already made my panning decisions kind of early on so didn't take a whole lot but it's just kind of amazing how much life is breathed into it just by adding the effects and by doing a little mini mix. And it kind of helps you hear it uh, for what the project is. Basically, this is where you're at. You know what I mean? If you were to go back here and record it, you know, sure, you can get the performances better. You can get the uh, recording quality better. But the composition will not get any better from this point. This is where it is. And uh, it really tells you a lot. So... Uh, I mean, I guess you've heard it th probably three times by now, so I don't think it's point there's any point in me just like bringing up here. Here's 30 seconds of it without the effects. So I'm going to try to remember what I did here because I turned up some levels. Uh, but what I'm going to do is uh, back it off the levels that I turned up, and then I will uh, put on all my effects so that it's you can hear kind of what the uh, oop, that's not what I meant to do. So you can kind of hear what like the finished you know a, a more f refined polished version would sound like and uh on the vocals i'm not going to put any pitch correction on it because i mean you could say well the vocals aren't really like especially out of tune they're not bad and you're right they're not but they're not terrible however one thing i usually do on a pre-production track is i'll go through and i'll i'll pitch correct the vocals and i'll rehearse along to that now granted it takes it makes the feel kind of not so good and, and I'll show you the, how much of a difference is made. I guess that'll be the, one of the last things I'll do is I'll play it again after with pitch-corrected vocals. But for right now, all I'm going to do is this is what it sounds like without the pitch-corrected vocals, but with a mini-mix in there. And, uh, oh, I turned some on the bass. That's right, I turned that up a shit ton. But, uh, so I'm going to play this with all the effects on there. Hopefully, about like I had it, I'm sure I screwed up something along the lines of the, the levels, because I've, I've been turning those up and down, but I, I tried to make a mental note of where they were. So forgive me, but I might have to play around with the, the levels a little bit, but I'll get it there, and it won't take me but, you know, 10 seconds. Uh, but what I'm going to do is play a rough mix of what the song would sound like if it were to be mixed, uh, you know, to any degree. And it, I think you'll kind of realize, oh, wait, it really brings it to life. So you have an idea of, okay, it helps you look past the shortcomings of the performances, the recording quality, the lack of mixing and mastering. Uh, and it helps you hear the song, you know, much closer to what it could be. If you were to actually go to a studio, you know, and that kind of thing. Uh, and then after I do that, I'll, you know, talk a little bit and then I'll, I'll, I'll play it again with the pitch corrected vocals. And I'll kind of get into why I like to do that. All right, here we go.
So I think that makes quite a bit of difference. Um, now, one thing I did notice is I forgot to add the reverb back to the drums. So that's okay, because I'm going to go back and, and, and play again for the final time. Uh, with and I'll add the reverb back to the drums. And the, the, the drum loop was a little bit light in the mix. But, you know, I've moved things up and down. I, I forget what I've done. But, uh, you know, so it's like, whoa, you know. Obviously, it's not a great production at this point, but the composition is sounds fairly professional. You know what I mean? Not to say that you get a real good songwriter in there, a real good producer. They're not going to say, hey, maybe you ought to do this. But at the same time, I don't even have real drums in there yet. That'll make a huge difference. Just getting a real drummer in there adds the human element. You know, I could, I could see maybe uh, some room for some shakers, you know, like those kind of like maraca chicka chicka. Yeah, I could see some of that in there, which I mean, I can play around with that after the fact. Hell, I can go in there like, you know, have I could go to have everything recorded and then just go. That's what I kind of call like the very like post-production, like the part of it. OK, before I, I do my final mix, is there anything that maybe is missing? Uh, but that's not something I worry about right too much right at this point, because I think it's good. I don't you know, I could maybe add some things, but. Until you get a real drummer in there, you don't really know whether. Well, suck me sideways. My system crashed again. Man, that's not something I'm used to. Maybe I'd have turned my computer off and reboot it. It hasn't turned off in like four months. Uh, it's probably closer to two months because we had our power go out, but that's another story. But uh, I forget what I was talking about. Computer crash. And these little. Oh, the computer didn't crash, just my audio interface crashed or the software crashed or something. You know, I never had problems until I updated Reaper. Go figure. I finally updated, and now it's crashing on me. That's just great. Imagine if it did that during a recording session. I'd be pissed, so I might have to revert. I'm going to probably go back to my older version of Reaper. It didn't bother me. I never had problems with it. Um, screw this new shit. <laughs> I don't need it. But once you get a, a real drummer in there, I can, just from doing this enough times, I can tell that that will add enough human element to where it'll work. And if I go back after you getting a real drummer in there and recording that, and I feel like uh, maybe I could use some little egg shaker, maybe there's something a little texture-wise I could do, cool. But usually a good drummer will kind of fill in some of those other areas with just better assemble or hi-hat work or maybe using a little brush on their snare drum. They just know how to fill it in. And the drummer I have is so good that, heck, I'm not too worried about that. Um, the man, the myth, the legend. So, finally, what I'm going to what I'm going to talk a little bit about before I show you is. So, I mean, the vocals aren't bad, but I mean, clearly, they're not perfect. You know, that's not what you want to start with on a uh, for a final project. I mean, I'm kind of fumbling on some of the words. There's some the way I went about singing some things. I need to go about a little bit differently. I was a little bit harsh on some of my e's and a little bit nasal on some of those. So, I need to I need to lacks up on my, my instead of going e and go a little bit more a on my e's uh that you need instead of going that you need you know more that you need th that little stuff or maybe i should not even use that word if it doesn't work i mean that's how nitpicky you got to get towards the end to make especially on vocals to make it work that's why i kind of don't put too much effort on the specifics of the words during pre-production uh, at least that phase of pre-production. Once I get to the point where I finished with it and I, I know how the vocal line goes, that's when I go back and really start nitpicking 
the specifics because all along the way I wrote the vocal line. I have words there. You know, if it's, I thought something was stupid, but you know, once you have the entire song out in front of you, all the instrumentation, the entire composition pretty close to done, that's when you start to see, you know, okay, once again, there's just a few words that just eh, doesn't fit in or because the the way you have to go about singing the word, like ease are an example of this, you know, just, you know, I could use that word need and it would be fine, but I can't go need. I got to go need instead of need, it's need, but it, it works better and you, you hear it. It's not a, an uncommon thing to do. You know, a lot of that's very common and it doesn't sound wrong. It sounds right. You know, there's a word or two. I'm going to probably a couple words. I'm going to change just because I don't think they, they sound good, but they're very small things. I mean, I don't need to re-record it to know that, okay, instead of uh, instead of saying, I'll be the thing that you need, I'm going to say, I'll give you all the things that you need. Little, I mean, I, I don't, I know what I'm going to do there, right? Uh, but one thing I do know that helps is get those vocals like stupid pitch corrected. To where it, it's not even human anymore. You almost kind of kill some of the human element of it, unless you're just a phenomenal singer uh, at a point that I much beyond me. I really recommend that one of the last things you do is pitch correct the shit out of your vocal line and practice along with that. Because when your ear hears your vocals in tune, it naturally is able to sing along with it. it, it it's kind of like, oh, I didn't realize I was just a little bit off or, you know, a little sharp, a little flat on these parts. You, you don't, you're not going to always recognize it. And it's okay. Like even a perfectly intonated chord, the notes are not perfectly in pitch. It doesn't work that way. If everything's perfectly in pitch, the chord sounds wrong. So that, that is one thing that, uh, you know, at the very least with the pitch correction software I use, I'm not going to say which one I do. I will usually set the notes in there that I, I don't, I don't need any A flats in this one. You know what I mean? Don't give me any of that stuff. And I'll, I'll cut out the notes that obviously never work. Although occasionally I will have accidentals. Accidentals are basically just another word for, yeah, this is the key, but for, you know, in this particular bar, we, we decided to, for whatever reason, you know, even though we don't, it's a C scale, which doesn't have, it's a C major scale. It doesn't have any, uh, it's a C scale. It doesn't have any, uh, sorry, if it's something in the key of C, it doesn't have any sharps or flats or everything, you know, it's like, okay, well, in this one particular case, I'm going to go to a B flat, you know, now that's, that's musical jargon, but it's just an example of it's just because it, you can go stray from a key signature and sometimes it makes sense. It adds some contrast, adds some coloration, something just different, uh, you know, kind of tricks your ear a little bit so that you can make something even bigger or cooler, or make it die down in a different way, or allow you to transition to a different key, which it is okay to switch key signatures within a song. It's not entirely unheard of. It's surprisingly common, actually. You just don't always realize it. Um, but, you know, taking that stuff out of the equation, you pitch correct the shit out of the vocals, because when you hear them, like, in tune, uh, or basically correct them to where it sounds right. You know, usually I'll get it to where it's perfect and I'm not very realistic. And then I add just, a, I go back and I edit things like I'll make, make the note transition for how quickly it corrects. I'll slow it down a little bit and I'll go back and listen through it and be like, okay, yeah, this might be in perfectly in pitch, but it's out of tune with it. It's this, it just doesn't sound right. If it starts perfectly in tune, I've got to kind of sw like slur up to it. You know what I mean? Obviously, if you're doing something like, you know, which I don't know why you do that in a song, but, uh, but you know how you kind of slide up into a note, you know, you start a little bit lower or a little bit higher and go up or down into it. Uh, it's not an uncommon thing to do. It's very common, you know, granted, that's not going to sound right. So you'll go through there and, you know, you, you go and fix those things so that you don't hear artifacts like, believe I'm life of love. You don't hear that kind of crap. And, you know, you go through there and you make the, you basically go through and you, you, you make that performance as good as you possibly can. And uh, so without further ado, I'm going to show you how that sounds after I've pitch corrected the crap out of things so I can get it ready so I can personally rehearse it well. And here we go.
Oops. Start from the beginning. pre-production beginning to end that's how that works that's how that sounds that's how that's supposed to be so uh yeah yeah now uh, you know another little something i realized after the fact and it's not that important but what i will you know here the main acoustic guitar line is in mono and you know as cool it is to be like oh yeah i do stuff in mono like eh there are times, like, if you have a, an acoustic guitar and it's more of a texture track and it's got a lot of instrumentation, yeah, it's it's very common to have a, a mono acoustic guitar, and sometimes you, you keep it down the center, sometimes you put a little left or a little right. But in this particular case, it kind of gets in the way of the vocals, just a hair, because it's kind of a, a moving, syncopated, you know, it's, it's not just like strumming up and down chords all the time. It's got some individual picking of the strings, and it's it kind of gets in the way of a vocals just a little bit. So what I would likely do is when I go to actually record this for real is I'll probably do a spaced pair or probably an XY or something like that because it needs a little bit of distance. But at the same time, you know, it doesn't need, I don't need one mic. I don't need the mics like eight feet away to create a whole bunch of space because that's what the, the backup acoustic guitar lines are doing. But what I would probably do is set the, uh, oh, I usually, not the big, this might be an occasion where you want to do an XY or, or just add a little bit of space, so, you know, on the, so that when you do stereo, it's not like weird sounding or, uh, or something to that extent. Like I can just tell, like having the, the main guitar line be right down the middle it's not probably where it needs to be. It might be something where I need to soft pan it somewhere between 25 and 50%. My guess would be about 33%, you know, uh, you know, third, 33% left, 33% right. That usually, if I just had to guess, that's probably the panning decision I would likely make, but I would record it in a way, uh, to where, you know, what I would probably end up doing, just doing a stereo, just do an X, Y and put the thing, you know, maybe like, Oh, foot and a foot or so, foot and a half away uh, from the guitar. Or I might, I might decide to do a space pair, but make them not too far away. It's hard to say. Actually, now that I think about it, what I would probably do 
is have a a, a microphone about six inches, uh, probably close to about a foot or so away from the twelfth fret, and then another uh, microphone, probably about with about. Normally, I try to abide by the three to one rule, but there are certain times where that doesn't always apply. So I might put it more like a foot and a half away from the other mic, maybe two full feet, and have it pointed more towards like. The uh, bridge of the guitar or a little bit south of the bridge uh, on the body of the guitar just to pick up you know a little bit more of the wood grain the 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 warmth of the guitar and not so much the string stringy higher so make it sound more realistic i guess you could say but at the same time hmm that may not work if i'm that concerned about it i can go back and re-record it but what i would like but at the same time it doesn't sound bad either so maybe what I would end up doing is setting up one really good mic right on the 10th fret, about a foot or foot and a half away. Because that's what I did, and it sounded fine. It didn't really bother me. And it could have just been that the problem was, you know, my EQing and my rough mix wasn't quite aggressive enough in a, su- in a few frequencies. But that's something I can go back once I've got the song. I mean, as a, as a mixer, I mean, I can go back and play with the frequencies. and like, okay, oh, yep, that fixed it. That's pretty much all it was. But if I had to guess, I think what would likely fix that is by uh, probably having recording it. I, I have a tendency to record acoustic guitar like when I'm not sure of what my panning decisions are going to be or more of a one-size-fits-all is I'll use three microphones on it. I'll do one that's like a mono mic, and I'll usually make sure that's my best mic. Then I'll use a couple of other mics, and I'll have them uh, a little bit closer to the source, more like, meh probably like a six or so six to eight inches away from the 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 street the neck or the body of the guitar and uh because usually i like to use about six inches because that means i only have to put them about 18 inches apart which is about a foot and a half apart and that's usually about what makes the most sense when you're trying to record just a little bit of extra width uh you don't need it but you use mostly the mono mic to kind of capture a little bit more of the room sound, but you just basically use those left and right mics to kind of supplement the sound a little bit. And it creates a little bit more width without making the acoustic guitar, like, you know, rock and roll wide. (coughs) Because if the acoustic guitar doesn't sound natural, uh, it just doesn't work. So, you know, recording acoustics is a very different animal than recording, recording rock electric guitars, but in this particular instance, I was able to record those two backup acoustic guitar lines like I would record an electric guitar. Because essentially they're doing something similar that an electric guitar would do in this particular case. Yet if I record the main part, you know, real spaced out and far left and far right, it wouldn't sound natural. So what I would likely do when I'm actually recording is use, you know, a good mic, you know, about a foot and a half away from the guitar aimed a little bit away from the sound hole towards the 10th or so fret, or basically until I find the sweet spot. That tends to be about what it is on my guitar to get a balanced sound. Then I would use a couple of other mics, condenser mics, a little bit uh, about six inches from the source and about a foot and a half apart, and use those to just kind of supplement the sound so I don't have to have as much of the main guitar line down the middle. So those are some of the takeaways that I got from that, just doing that pre-production mix. As uh, when I actually go to doing it, that's for real. That's what I'm going to do. So, yeah. And uh, something else I noticed is, well, I like having that reverb on the drums, but I think that's something I'm I could potentially entertain doing is when I have a real drum line in there and a real drummer, I might do that real big echo, but kind of like kind of start it softer toward the echo, you know, kind of automate the the. reverb so that it gets bigger and bigger and bigger and more delay so that it becomes like this this kind of crescendoing effect where it gets louder and more present and louder louder more distant and bigger and bigger until the uh the acoustic comes in you know what i mean and then it kind of calms down a little bit and i you know i take it away so it kind of has this building effect like do do chat do 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 cha 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 you know what I mean? Because it's delaying, so it I don't know. It sounds cool in my head. And in listening to it back, it's like, okay, that might be something that that would be good. It might just be stupid. But when I listen back to it, you know, hmm, it's not so bad. Like if I were to take the uh, 
Let's see. Actually, it looks like I already did that a little bit. Uh, is that wet? So yeah, actually, that's exactly what I did. If I were to here, I'm going to turn the drums up a little bit and just play that first bit. You kind of see what I did, and I, I guess I must have liked it because I decided to automate the uh, reverb to where it was kind of kind of decline. It was real big, and then it got a little bit less. It went from really really wet in the beginning and dried up until once the acoustics hit. So I'll just go ahead and play that. It'll just take like ten seconds. I think that's kind of a cool concept. But this is something I didn't come up with until after I was done with a rough mix. Here we go. I don't know, maybe I won't keep it, but I think it adds a little bit of anticipation, a little bit of excitement. Yeah, you know, I might've started the reverb off a little strong, but you get the idea across. You know, it was kind of cool. You know, it's just one more little thing on the pre-production side, that's more of a science experiment that it just gives it a little bit more production value. So it sounds a little bit more professional and little things like that can sometimes be the difference between whether a track sounds amateur or professional, you know, <clears throat> had I not added those other two acoustic guitar backing tracks, it would not have sounded professional, the composition at least. I mean, obviously the recording is not a professional recording, but at least the composition in my mind is you know you know in the in the ballpark of being professional and i think there's maybe a few other things i can do like having real drums that would make a big difference and i still think i could i would likely add a little bit of a like an egg shaker sound to some things very light you may not even notice it until i take it out just to kind of add some texture but little things like that but as far as like the meat and potatoes it's all there it's just a matter of seasoning it just right. But uh, at this point, what I think I, I just need to work on the performances, get a real drummer in there. You know, maybe get a little egg shaker in there. Uh, when I go to actually record it, I can at least give myself the option of having two stereo mics on the main acoustic guitar line. And other than that, I feel pretty good about this track. Now comes the fun part. Here I've done all this work, and now I've got to actually like go back and remember how to play it. Uh, I know how to play the main acoustic line and how to sing it, but I don't remember how to play the bass. I don't remember how to play the backup acoustic guitar line. So it's a good thing I recorded it so I can go back and relearn it. But when it comes time to do that, I got to go relearn it. So that's just kind of the nature of that beast. So whenever I get around to having some time, I'm going to go back, relearn all these parts. And uh, at the very least, at least with the backup lines, you know, I don't have, you can get away with not being quite as perfect on them because they're not like the front and center. Whereas I, I can't mess up, you know, too much on the main acoustic guitar line. You can't mess up too much on the vocal, the main vocal line. You might be able to mess up a little bit on a backup vocal, but on the main vocal line, you just can't. You can't have any crash and burns. I mean, it's got to be pretty darn perfect. Uh, and if it's not, you better take a clip from something that is perfect to make a, a very good track. Because, uh, yeah, unless you're just a freaking amazing. Uh, don't be surprised if you have to do a little compilation work on a vocal track. Typically, I try to get it. I try to take my best take, and then it's not too uncommon. We're like, oh man, I don't like this. This two two bars in this particular verse. And so I'll take I'll take another track that where I did a little bit better and then you know comp it in there. <clears throat> sometimes that works. Sometimes you just have to go through and automate the crap out of it. Maybe apply a little bit of pitch correction to a few parts, you know, because it's funny. Usually you'll have one vocal line where it's like, wow, this is great, this is cool, the mojo's there. Here's a few little things that aren't quite mm, aren't quite jiving. So sometimes you can go to another track that you've recorded and, and hey, this one jives here. Let me just switching around and for hopefully you're close enough to the mic to where you don't hear a difference yeah and sometimes you just have to well look this is i don't got anything else to comp this with that that makes sense or like i guess i was about two inches further or closer from the mic on all the other takes but this is the take so i've just got to make it work and that's that's when you go in there and do some studio wizardry you know maybe uh do a lot of editing and it's just amazing what can, what can happen when you just do some volume automation. Uh, sometimes you have to go through and, and just, if it's like, ooh, something's just like, it's just a little bit like nasally, you just basically go through and, uh, you know, hit the uh, EQ, high EQ. 
Uh, yeah, in about five minutes. Five minutes. Are you serious right now? Three minutes. It's like almost been that. Okay, well, I'm almost done. So chill. You chill. I'm getting a shower. Have a good night. Any rate, it's amazing with just a, a little bit of EQ, you know, can can do to to fix things. But sometimes, sometimes just a little bit of pitch correction, or just being able to use the pitch correction software to kind of change the performance a little bit, because you can actually use it and kind of change things just a hair. But you do it too drastic, and it sounds terrible. So, at any rate, that's just a, an example of how I go about pre-production, how I go about writing a song, and that's part of the science and part of the art to it. So. All right, I appreciate y'all listening, and I'll talk to y'all next time. All right, bye-bye.